we're going to be in Joshua 4. And, and, and just to give you a history lesson here, if you're somebody who's not really familiar with the Bible, um, this is at the point in the nation of Israel that's God's chosen people. It's the point in their history where the torch has been passed from Moses to Joshua to kind of lead God's people. God choosing Joshua. Moses was the one that kind of led them out of Egypt and slavery and through the wilderness for 40 years. And then he tells, he chooses, chooses Joshua to lead them into uh, the promised land. And um, this is after they've wandered in the desert for 40 years. And basically, if you remember, that wasn't God's fault, that was their fault, because when he originally told them to go into the promised land, they lacked the faith to do it. Even though he said that I'm giving you this land, yeah, it's filled with, you know, giants and people that you're going to have to overcome, but I've given it to you. I'm going to give you victory. You can go and take it. They lacked the faith to do that. And as punishment, um, punishment in the sense that God had to discipline them and teach them to have that faith they were lacking they had to wander in the 40 years of the desert and see a bunch of miraculous things God did in their lives to build that faith that was necessary to go and experience that promised land, that land where all their needs would be met, where God would just bless them. And so we're at that point now where God's like, okay, you can go in now. And they have that faith after seeing God's faithfulness for 40 years in their life to actually listen and go. And they enter into this promised land in a miraculous way. God making it clear, hey, I'm the ones that brought you out of Egypt. I parted the Red Sea and saved you from the Egyptians. I, I, I did all these miraculous things in the desert to take care of you. And he makes it clear, even going into the promised land, he's, he's the one doing it. Because what he does is he parts the Jordan River miraculously. The water just spreads where they can walk across it in dry land. And, and, and the priests go out in front of the people. They're carrying the Ark of God that represented his presence and the river parts. And so this is like them basically going into the land. All right. So let me read. This is Joshua 4 starting in verse 1. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. And bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according by the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, which was 12 tribes, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So God, he basically tells Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take one person from each tribe, the 12 tribes, and grab a stone from the midst of this river, this river that's miraculously been parted. Grab a stone from it and you're going to use this as a memorial or you're going to basically make a pile that's going to act as a way to remember this great work that I'm doing right now. So you guys never forget this. This is here for all eternity so that basically you guys can remember what God did for you on this day. And I want you to note that basically this is a family affair, right? He's not saying it's not just for your benefit. 
Basically, what God knew was every time the kids walk by this, maybe you guys have seen those things on like rivers. They're called Karens, I think, like people stack stones. It's for the same purpose, kind of like a memorial or like a marker or something. And so God knows that every time somebody walks by this, every time you walk by this, you're going to remember what this is for. It's because God did this great thing here. And every time your kids walk by, they're going to say, what are these stones for, Dad? What are these stones for, Mom? And I want you to tell them. I want you to remind them. God was great. God was awesome. God was faithful. He brought us into the promised land. He actually split the water so we could go so that they would never forget about God's faithfulness and his goodness in their lives. Basically, the same thing we have as parents is a responsibility about, as Proverbs 22, uh, 6 tells us to train our kids up in the way that they should go. That's part of it. Not just telling them to follow Jesus, but taking the time to show them those awesome things God has done in our lives. We need to tell them. I think those things speak to our kids way more than anything else. Our testimonies of like, hey, God answered this prayer. God did this. Did you see God do that? So that's what he's telling them to do as parents. And it says in verse 8, it says, The people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant has stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Joshua had commit or all that Moses had commanded Joshua. So the people, they obey him. They take these stones to where they're camping. Joshua here takes an additional 12 stones and sets actually in the middle of the river uh, a pile or a memorial there so that there's going to be basically two places where they'd see evidence or be reminded of God's faithfulness in their lives. And it says in verse 11, and when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. So basically after God's people have safely passed, the water just closes. Basically God showing them that, oh no, I did this and it was for you. It wasn't some fluke of nature or whatever. This is something I did for you because of my love for you. You are my people. And it says in verse 19, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that 
all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So Joshua reiterates the purpose of this memorial. It's basically because God never wanted his people to forget how he had miraculously brought them in this land. You have to understand, this is a culmination of like a lot of, like God makes this promise. He takes them out of slavery in Egypt and he says, I'm going to bring you into the promised land. And basically they refuse to go. And he, he tells them, all right, well, you're going to have to wander in the desert. I'm paraphrasing, but you're going to have to wander in the desert for 40 years now because of your lack of faith. So you get to the point where you will go in, but I'm going to protect you. I'm still going to bring you in. And this is just, this is the culmination of all that faithfulness of God right here, all right? And, and he wants them to remember this because he knew that, as it says in verse 13, there's going to be future battles. You're coming into the land. I'm giving it to you, but it ain't going to be easy. Life on this earth is not easy because of the sin in it, all right? It's going to be hard. And you need to remember during those hard times, God's past faithfulness. Because I'm not bringing you this far to leave you. I'm going to bring you all the way to the end. I'm going to complete that work that I started. But you need to remember that. And this is a way that I'm going to help you do that. Every time you see these storms, every time you see these these this, this, this stones of remembrance, basically it's going to help you with what I call spiritual amnesia, our tendency to forget God's past goodness in our lives. And this example consists of three simple practices, all right? Three simple things they do. And that's to think, thank, and tell of all the Lord has done for us. That first practice being, think of what the Lord has done for you. If you're a note taker, you can write that down. Think of what the Lord has done for you. I need to intentionally take the time to think about or remember those specific instances or those stones of God's faithfulness in my life, just like we see God people do here. Otherwise, I will just forget about them. And I'm to do this because, again, remembering the past instances of God's faithfulness is going to help me have faith in the present that God is going to continue to be good. He's going to continue to keep his promises. He's going to continue to be faithful to me in my life especially in the midst of adversity, because I don't know about you, but as soon as things go a way that I don't want them to go, or I don't understand, my tendency is to think about all the what ifs, and especially the worst case scenario. That's usually where my mind goes right to, okay? Which happens almost 100%, never happens 100% of the time. But that's the way I think. And that leads to anxiety and worry and fearfulness in my life. Did you know it's impossible for you to experience both anxiety and gratitude at the same time. This is a scientifically proven fact. I actually just heard this recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago. I heard a worship leader say this, like because they were talking about worship. And, and one of the benefits of it is that it helps you with anxiety and fearfulness because your brain cannot at the same time because it's the same part of your brain where those two feelings are they 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 happen basically either fearfulness or gratitude they happen in the same place so it's kind of like you can't look in two different places at the same time you can't think and and they're both responsible for different chemical reactions when you are when you're fearful it produces chemicals in your body that make you feel bad all right which some of you guys experience with anxiousness and stuff you feel sick and, and stuff if you feel gratitude, it produces 
chemicals that make you feel good. All right. And this is you guys can fact check this. I actually did it because I heard that worship leader say it. And I'm like, I better check this up. And I've just found like just in a quick search scientific journal on this thing over and over again about the neurotransmitters in your brain and how this is truth. Like you can't do one or the other. All right. And so in order to combat anxiety and worry, I need to intentionally think of all the good things God has done for me, which will lead to having an attitude of gratitude and being thankful. And that's the next practice. The first one, remember, was to think about the good things God has done for me. The second one is to thank God for those good things God has done for you. After I think and remember specific specific instances of God's faithfulness in my life, it's really only fitting to thank and praise him for those good things he's done for you. Really, that's our natural response to God's goodness in our lives. It's praise or worship, all right? And I point this out quite often. Maybe you guys have heard me say this before. Do never, never think about worship as just singing songs or music, okay? Music is something God created to incite a response in you. Worship itself is a response to God's greatness and his goodness and his awesomeness, all right? So it's very different. We're not just singing songs. It's literally you responding to God and his glory in your life. That's worship and praise, okay? And this is what the Israelites were doing in setting up a memorial in Joshua 4, or basically a place where they could remember and think upon God's goodness and thank him through worshiping him for it every time they saw it, okay? And so too with us, when we think about and remember the faithfulness of the Lord and thank him for the good things he's done in our lives, it changes your attitude. It can change your attitude if you have one of anxiety or despair into one of basically uh, of thankfulness and praise as we go from focusing on the negative things that we don't understand to focusing on God's past faithfulness in our lives and being confident that he's going to continue to be good and do the same things he's always done because he said so and he's proven it and as i said before scientifically gratitude is a proven method to help you with fear and anxiety actually in a lot of those medical journal journals if you look at what psychologists or counselors tell people to do that struggle with fear and anxiety they tell them in some way or another to intentionally practice gratitude like whether that's through journaling or meditating on good thoughts they they that's what they tell them to do and that's not new no uh new news that's just they're just saying what god has told us from the very beginning all right that's why god tells us in first thessalonians five eighteen, be thankful in all circumstances for this is god's will for you who belong to christ jesus be thankful in all circumstances, not just some. And he wouldn't tell you that if you couldn't do it. And why can you be thankful in all circumstances, even ones you don't understand or that aren't good? Because not everything is good in this world. Because you belong to Jesus. It's because you're Jesus's and because of the promises you have as God's child, you can be thankful. Because you know that he is doing something good for you, even in the worst of things. All right. So we can be thankful in all circumstances. 
It also says in Philippians 4, 6 through 9, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the second part. It's the part that we don't read all the time, but it says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix, like anchor is the idea there. Anchor your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Basically, think about things to be thankful for, which God gives us a whole book. All right. That's why it's important to know God's word. This whole book is things that are, as it says here, true and honorable and right and pure. Anchor your mind on these things. And then it says in verse nine, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. You see, God God understands our tendency is to be fearful and worried. And he doesn't want us to be. And as such, he gave us the remedy in his word to combat fear and anxiety. And the science backs up what God has already told us. Think about the truth of his word and of his goodness in your life and of his faithfulness in your life. And then thank him for it. And that will give you a heart of gratitude instead of being fearful. Amen. And it's not just a one-time thing. You probably, if you've experienced this, you got to really fix your mind. That means you got to intentionally, like David said, you got to make it like when you're, that fear isn't just going to go away. You got to constantly be in God's word. You got to constantly be thinking about those good things. You got to be doing this and really just consistently doing it until that right heart, that right thinking overcomes those lies of the enemy. Amen? And acknowledging and amazing the work of God in our lives through thinking and thanking him for it should lead to us outwardly worshiping him for his goodness by, number three, telling others of all the Lord has done for us. This is what Joshua is telling the people to do in verses 21 through 23. Again, God's done this amazing thing for them. And these piles of stones were memorials or monuments meant to celebrate those victories. So that, as verse 23 says, all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So there's two things that he's saying, like, as you see these memorials, as you think about what God's done, as you thank him for it, here's what you should do. You should worship him outwardly. You should tell others about it for two reasons. It's going to, number one, allow him to be glorified or show himself to others, all the peoples of the earth. Because basically, whenever you're talking about God and his greatness in your life, that becomes an opportunity for him to glorify himself for other people. Because basically, you're saying you're, you're talking with a hope that nobody can have without Jesus in their life, all right? And you're talking about things that only God could do in testimony so often, things that are just proof of him, all right? Now, whether people believe it or not, that's on them, but you're giving them everything they need to know God, amen? All right, so that's the first thing that the purpose of of, of remembering, thinking and thinking and telling others, that's the first thing it accomplishes. Second thing it says here is that it helps you fear or remain in awe of God in your life as well. 
All right. So basically it's for others benefits so they can know God. But it's also for your benefit because I need to remind myself to be in awe of God, to be fearful of God, fearful in a good way, to remember who he is. Remember all the awesome things he's done in the past, because when I remember that it can it's in a sense convincing my soul that, man, God has not brought me this far just to abandon me. Or leave me. Or forget me. He hasn't forgotten me up to this point. He's not going to forget me now. And I need to remind myself of that. I need to be like Paul who says in Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I need to remind myself of that truth. That's a promise, guys. Alright? When I'm fearful and I'm worried... I need to remind myself, no, God says he's going to finish what he started. He's not just going to leave me by the wayside. He's never going to get tired of my mistakes. He's never going to get, oh, you blew it one too many times, Chris. That's not the way God operates. He saved me at my worst. He saved me knowing how bad I was, how often I was going to fail. And he's never going to give up on me. And he's going to see me through until I'm with him again. Amen. That's for us. That's a promise. We need to remind ourselves of that. Okay. So first thing I want to do really quick is I want to give you like a practical way. Like I said earlier, this is a month where we're focused on prayer and prayer is one of the greatest ways we involve God and we get to see him do great things. And we, 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 we remember his faithfulness when we do that. Like when you're asking God for help, And then he actually does help you understand that. Prayer is not for God's benefit, okay? It's for yours and mine. God already knows what you need before you even ask. But when I ask, I'm choosing to involve him. And then I give him a chance to answer. And that builds faith in me. It builds confidence that God is faithful and he's good. And so it is good to be in the habit of praying and acknowledging God's faithfulness in our lives. And I want to, uh, um, Jody Chan, Charla is going to come up here and she's just going to share just briefly on how God's kind of been teaching her that in this last year as a practical means. I want you to hear the practical means she's using so you guys can be encouraged in the same way to implement these type of things in your life. Family so much. I've been going to coastline for a long time. I've been a believer for a long time and, um, I felt like I've had a pretty healthy walk with the Lord for a lot of those years. But one area I've perpetually struggled in is being faithful in my prayer life. Um, I felt like I haven't been disciplined, so I haven't really got to see the fruit of what a healthy prayer life could look like. Um, My prayers would be maybe like half asleep in my bed or whatever in the morning. You guys know. You guys know about that. Or like the dinner time prayers. It's like, yeah, I prayed today. I prayed for my, you know, chicken nuggets or whatever. Um, But, um, or I'd pray stuff like, God be with me when I do this thing. Which is like kind of lame because the word says that he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So it wasn't really a theologically sound way to pray either you know what does jesus say right before he ascends into heaven he says i'm with you even to the end of the age so now i i think about that and i think man i should be praying help me be more aware of your presence because you say that you're with me i want to see the evidence of your of your presence 
I want to give you credit for the things that you're doing and not just, um, man, I got, I don't know, that was a good deal or, I don't know, like my kids did good in school or they weren't fighting today or whatever. And instead of accrediting those to just having a good day, I want to give God the glory for the things that he's doing. So anyway, I have a sister in Christ who um, has encouraged me for a long time to start a prayer journal. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Sounds like something I should probably get around to one of these days. But um, this was the year that I was like, okay, Lord, I want to I wanna be faithful in this. I want to see what you want to show me. So I started this prayer journal back in July, I think. We have a group chat with Chris and Sarah. And our families have been through some things this year, some really hard things and... Um, Sometimes on the group chat, one of them will say, hey, I need you to pray for this thing. So I've been putting it in my prayer journal. And I can't tell you guys the things that God has done this year. And it's not because I pray for them, but I get to see it because I prayed for them and because I wrote it down. And every time there's been an answer to prayer, I write the answer. And I'm like, man, God, you are moving in my everyday life and in these things that are Challenging, And maybe before I would have looked at it with the wrong perspective and thought, this is a bummer that this is going on. Or I'm, you know, what are you doing, God? And had a, had a bad attitude. And now it's like, it's almost like a challenge. Like, I'm going to write it down and I'm going to pray for it. And I'm going to cover it in prayer every day. And I'm going to wait for you, Lord. I'm going to see what you're going to do. And um, maybe if you're a practical person like me. I have... I have on this side stuff that I'm praying for, and over I have a date on it, and over the months, sometimes I'm praying for it, like, man, this one. I'm praying for my husband every day that he would have wisdom from the Lord to know how to lead our family. But then after months of praying this, I felt like the Lord told me to write, um, maybe you should also pray that you would have trust in his leading. And I'm like, oh, man. Okay, so I wrote that down. So now I'm praying for him, and I'm praying for me. And then on this side, you know, when something happens that I've been praying for, I get to write it down, and I get to date it. And it's just been awesome. If there's been scripture that God has put on my heart to pray for my family, I write it down. There's so many prayers in the Bible. You don't have to be creative. It's already in the Bible. Like, you can pray it for your own family. You can pray it for your own kids. There's a there's a verse that I read every morning. It says, the prayers of a righteous person avails much. There is power in praying for your kids. And if I can encourage you guys, one small thing, one small encouragement, get up in the morning and spend time with Jesus. It doesn't have to be a lot, but wake up, set an alarm, be diligent in your time with Jesus, not because not because he's going to do something different than he was already planning, but it is so good for you to start the day in his word and to start your day in prayer. It will change your life. It will change your heart. Your kids are watching you. Your spouse is watching you. Men, before you go to work and you're dealing with people all day, get up and spend time with Jesus and be filled with the spirit and it will change your life. Amen. All right, so right now, this is the participation part for you guys. And so what we're going to do is um, Beth's going to lead us in a song of worship. 
But you might have noticed we've got these, um, whatever, cornucopia of rocks. Uh, we, we've, we've got stones. And so um, what you're going to do is basically I just want you to take the time now to intentionally think about instances of God's faithfulness and his goodness in this past year. It might be one thing, might be a bunch of things, but just encourage you to, to intentionally think about those things. And you can come up and get a stone. We got some markers there. And you can write a word or maybe a short sentence, depending how good you are with your writing on how big of a stone you have, whatever it is. But just write something as some sort of memorial, some sort of remembrance. And then you can take that stone. We've got a pile of them out in front of the church. You might see that from time to time so that every time we drive in, we just see that pile and we remember, oh, God was faithful. God was faithful. God was faithful. He's going to keep being faithful. Maybe you want to put it somewhere at home. Maybe like as you're walking in the door out in your, your garden or your, your barked area or whatever, or put it up on your windowsill, just somewhere where you're going to see it all the time and get a chance to think about God's past faithfulness so that it produces that present trust in your life. And so you're going to kind of do that on your own. Um, and then I, I encourage you to thank God for that thing that he's done. And then if you came with somebody, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids, maybe you just came with somebody else, maybe you came by yourself and just to your neighbor, tell them that thing that God did. It, short and sweet. Just tell them God was faithful in this instance. God did this. God did that. Tell them about God's act of faithfulness. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to do during this song. Just come up and do it as you feel led. Now, the second thing I want to do before we leave is take the time to take communion. Because if there is one thing that gives you the absolute assurance that God is never going to leave you and forsake you, that he's never going to not keep his promise, that he's always going to be there for you, that he's always going to work everything for your good. Everything else scripture tells us, it's the cross. What Romans 8.32 tells us is, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for you or for us all, won't he also give us everything else? It's a rhetorical question by Paul, because basically what he's saying is that if God was willing to give his son Jesus for you, you have nothing to fear. He gave up the most he he could give up. That's how much you mean to him. That's how precious you are to him. That's how much he loves you. And that is your assurance that he's going to finish the work that he started in you. And that's why Jesus told us to do this often in remembrance of him, in remembrance of the cross, remembrance of what he's done. Because God knew that our tendency would be to forget it to get caught up in the hard things, to get caught up in the difficulties and lose sight of the promise that, no, 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 I gave my son for you. You have nothing to worry about. I've got you firmly in my hand. Nothing is going to separate you from my love. And I'm going to see you right through this life into the next. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to pray for the bread that represents Christ's body and the juice that represents his blood. And then you guys, during this next song, you come up and take communion on your own. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we just want to give you the praise and the glory because it's you that has saved us. 
There was nothing we could do in ourselves to be perfectly right in your eyes. We're all sinners. We're all guilty of disobeying what your word says is good and right. And we know you as being a perfectly right, righteous God, right in all you do, right in all you say, and a just judge as such has to deal with sin in a just way. And the wages of sin, as your word says, or the penalty, the just price for it was death because sin causes death. It deserves death. And that was what we were headed for. Not only physical death, but spiritual death. It's eternal separation from our creator that we were made to know in love. And where we couldn't have fixed that, you intervened. And you paid a huge price. You allowed your son to die, not for any sin he did, but for all the sin I did. All the sin the world did. So that through faith, in him, in his work on the cross and acknowledging our need for him to save us from our sin and be Lord of our life, we could be saved. We could be forgiven. We could be made right with you and brought into not just a physical promised land, but an eternal, spiritual place to spend eternity with you called heaven. We are a part of your kingdom now through our faith in Jesus. And we are so thankful For Jesus and his willingness to allow his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled so that our sins could be paid for in full. And we can stand here today and know just as he said in his last breath, it is finished. We are right in your eyes, God. We are forever your children because of the finished work of the cross. And we never want to lose sight of that. So Lord, as we take these elements Lord, may we remember what you've done for us and in the display of love that we can never see anywhere else that has been shown to us and never doubt your faithfulness or your goodness because that more than proves it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in number six, starting verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his son saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Even greater than his name being upon them as God's people, you have been called the children of God. Through your faith in Jesus, you are part of God's family. And I just pray this blessing over you because God's made these same promises to us. And you can expect these things in the new year. And may we leave this place confident that the Lord will bless you and keep you. The Lord will make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord God, I pray that for your people. Lord, I know you'll do this. Just even as, as Jody was saying, whether whether we say it or not, you're not you're going to be who you are. As your word says, you're faithful even when we're faithless because you cannot deny yourself. You'll always do what you say, but Lord, we want to see it. We want to live in faith knowing that you're you're going to do it. Because you already have and you will continue to do 
what you've always done. Lord, I pray we just remember that you've been nothing but good up to this point, just as you said you would. And we move forward in this new year confident, expecting your goodness to continue to be shown in every area of our lives. And all God's people said, amen. Happy New Year. God bless you. Go in the confidence of Jesus Christ.